Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. This episode, we are diving back into the workbook, How to Meet Your Self. We've been going cover to cover in the workbook and are currently on section three, Meet Your Emotional Self. If you are following along with your own workbook, we are doing the exercises today at the very end of section three on page 161, Rewire Your Mind and Body for Safety. So before we can dive into a conversation about rewiring our mind and body for safety, it'll be helpful to understand how safety happens. And how safety happens is really a function of our nervous system, of our vagus nerve in particular, whose main function is really to shift our body from those states of threat or activation when we feel stressed or upset back into that peace, calm, centered sense of safety. It's our vagus nerve that really helps us shift back and forth. Now, a couple episodes ago, we explored witnessing our triggers or those moments of activation when things happen in our environments and our relationships, and we feel our body shift into those threat or stress or upset-based states. Now, to begin to rewire our mind and body for safety, we can also begin to identify those moments or what are called glimmers, a term coined by Dr. Stephen Porges, or safety signals is a really simple way to think of what a glimmer is. Where are those moments in time or those experiences where we naturally are able to access that sense of safety? That's really what a glimmer is. And for many of us, those moments in time where we're able to access that natural sense of safety. To help you all identify those glimmers or those safety signals that occur within your own life, we've grouped safety signals into three distinct sections. The first section being nature safety signals. So things like the sun, wind, sky, the rain, clouds, trees, plants, flowers. Think of the weather, nature, and the natural world cueing safety. The next group is environmental safety signals. So not environment as nature and the outdoors, though environment as your surroundings. So for example, a home or workspace, buildings, maybe certain smells that are coming into your arena through the environment you're in, artistic decorations, the softness of fabric against your skin, all factors of the environment around your physical body. Things like the comfort of a soft bed or a stack of books or your favorite music. Things in your environment that cue safety. The third group is relational safety signals. The first being self-regulation. Intentional, deep, or even breathing, calming or repetitive movements, and grounding your body in nature. So always tying back to to nature and the natural world, which is inherently grounding and connecting and soothing in itself. Beyond self-regulation, the next relational safety signal is co-regulation with another. This could be a kind gaze or a smile, the twinkle in someone's eye, or a tilted head or other gesture acknowledging someone else, maybe a request that you have being received, that sense of feeling heard. To help you begin identifying these glimmers or safety signals within your own life and the signals that are unique to you and your own safety, we've grouped them into three distinct categories. That of nature safety signals, environment safety signals, and relational safety signals. 
So nature safety signals will be things like the sun, the wind, the rain, the moon, things of the natural world. Think outdoors. Environment safety signals, imagine the environment around you, maybe the softness of a soft pillow on your skin, your physical building or dwelling that you are in, maybe a lingering smell coming through from something that you are cooking, or the comfort of soft bedding, a stack of books that bring you joy, music that is wafting through, things that cue a unique sense of safety and comfort and connection within you. Then there are relational safety signals, and we'll break this into two, self-regulation and co-regulation with another. Self-regulation being things like intentional, deep, and even breathing, calming or repetitive movements, grounding your body in nature, which is in and of itself inherently soothing and grounding. Co-regulation with another would be things like a kind gaze, maybe a gentle smile or a head nod, the twinkle in someone's eye, even having a request of yours be received, heard, and met by another, which is a need being met by another. This could also be cuddling with a pet or a trusted and safe animal, all opportunities to soothe your being with another. As you continue tuning into this conversation and begin cultivating your own awareness around these different cues, around the different relational environment and nature safety signals, practice using these two questions to deepen your inquiry. What people, places, feelings, smells, and sensations help me access feelings of safety and connection? So you may be able to identify things in your immediate environment now that give you that sense of safety and connection, or you can keep this question sort of percolating in your mind as you go about your days and begin observing your already daily habitual actions. So what people, what places, what different feelings or sounds, what do you notice ignites or brings forth a sense of safety and calm in your body? What sensations or feelings do these cues activate in your body? When you have those feelings of safety and connection, maybe around a certain person or place or environment, what are the sensations connected in your body? What physiological sensation in your physical being and what feelings do you notice connected to those environments and people or those signals of safety and connection? It's funny as I'm sitting here and Earlier, when you were reading the list of possible safety signals in terms of this shift in physiology, even just visualizing some of those things like cuddling with a pet. I know I just spent almost an hour this morning cuddling with my pet. So, right, very easily that came to mind. And in that moment, as will happen when we're imagining even some of these things, and maybe as you were listening, you know, hearing nature be acknowledged or maybe music, you might have felt those shifts. And I noticed myself starting to feel my energy felt a little lighter, a little looser in my in terms of my muscle tension. Uh, maybe my breathing even shifted a bit. So those are things that I even just noticed just sitting here listening to you describing what could possibly be a safety signal. Though I also want to highlight a piece of wisdom you wrapped in there, which is really acknowledging the individuality of these, right? It's going to be something unique to each of us that creates those moments of safety. And very many of us might have these moments in our day-to-day life, but if we're not paying attention 
to how our body is feeling, if we're always on to the next moment, always distracted by something outside of us, we very well might be missing these natural moments that things are shifting our body slightly. Of course, it's not going to be for someone who regularly feels anxious or on edge. We're not going to downshift completely. Though the more attention we pay to our body, the more we'll be able to see those slight shifts in internal sensation. As you practice this awareness and begin asking yourself these questions and beginning to witness and identify what does bring safety, you may also notice some shifts and changes in maybe what used to be a safety signal previously that now is no longer and vice versa. And that specifically came to mind when I was just a moment ago reading the different safety cues and certain smells. And I thought of the smell of a a fire in the home, like a, a fire in the stove or a wood burning fire at night, even outdoors. And the crackling of that, the sound of it, the heat, the smell, everything about it to me is such a signal of safety and of connection and makes me think of growing up on the East Coast indoors and knowing that we'd all huddle around the fire uh, in the wintertime, which extended for so many months out of the year. And that meant me huddled with my twin and my brother, who really were like my, you know, the three musketeers, three peas in a pod. And I have such fond memories of that. And I noticed my family also shared that likeness and about five-ish some years ago, maybe more, maybe 10 years ago now, I honestly don't remember, my mother's house burned down and my twin was living with her at the time and our three cats were in it and the cats perished. Thankfully, my mother and my twin got out safe and fine, though, of course, everything in the house was ruined and demolished. And I specifically watched my mother reaction to fire or the scent of fire or even the sound of the crackling go from what previously my whole life I'd always known for her to what was such a soothing safety and connection from those fond memories of her own childhood to instantly the opposite. And even the scent of fire or of wood burning or that sound now ignites the opposite of a glimmer or a safety cue. So you may start to pick up that awareness too as you're just beginning this inquiry in your own life and start to connect the deeper roots there of what's actually happening in the environment that then caused that physical reaction in your body and what those sensations of safety or unsafety are in your body. And the reason why we want to, you know, take the moments to be curious and have these explorations is we need to know kind of what's mapping on not only in terms of our inner world or our sensations that are indicating that our body is actually safe, though what things help us to access that sense of safety, whether it's relationally, whether it's in our environment, and whether it's through nature, because the next step when we actually want to dive now into rewiring our mind and body, what we're really talking about is a practice of what's called widening our window of tolerance or really simply being able to tolerate slightly more stressful experiences and allow our body by making choices to bring our body back into safety. So really simply back to that vagus nerve, tolerating more and more stress, activating our vagus nerve so that then our body can go from that stressed out threat-based state back into that peace and calm of safety. And why then it's so important to understand outside of these stressful moments, where are those points of access? And how does my body feel then when I'm feeling safe versus when I'm feeling threatened? Because that's going to give us information in terms of those moments of reactivity. 
what can we begin to do to bring our nervous system back into that window of tolerance from that threat-based state? And how will I begin to feel as my nervous system is making that shift? All of those pieces of information are incredibly important so that we can then build the emotional resilience that comes from expanding that window of tolerance. Though, again, really simply learning how to deal with more and more stress, we become more and more emotionally resilient. As we're talking about these examples, I invite you to immerse in the simplicity of some of these suggestions as while they might sound and seem so simple or innate to us, it's often those very small new choices or actions like actually taking those deep belly breaths or actually taking a walk around the block that are the most challenging moments for us because it is the opportunity for all of the resistance to a new habit to come bursting through and keep us stuck in our tracks like we have been. So allow yourself to just be in the simplicity of it. And instead of maybe criticizing that, maybe keep it in your back pocket or understand and remember that you have so many tools already within you that you inherently know. You have so much wisdom already there that is pulling you towards something that is going to soothe. So the first activator, a common one for many, is a coworker criticizing them at work or a coworker criticizing the work that you have created. That's the activator. What's a possible way to self-regulate? I can take five deep belly breaths. That means actually taking the moments to pause and have five inhales. It's the follow through here that is going to build emotional resilience. For the sake of you each relating in your own individual way, I'm going to give one universal example that you can curate to you. And that is my coworker criticizing my work or being criticized by a coworker. So you can unanimously just view this as you creating something and it being criticized by another. The experience of your creation or your work, or even just your being, being criticized. Now, some ways that we can self-regulate in those moments I can take five deep belly breaths. Now, the key here is actually taking the five deep belly breaths. The emotional resilience, the window of tolerance grows in the action, not in the intention. The intention is halfway there. You need the follow through of the action. I can take a brisk walk to the bathroom. I can exit the scenario and excuse myself to the bathroom, maybe if I'm in a public workplace. Or I can excuse myself and take a brisk walk around the block. If I can't leave the room, maybe I can pace back and forth or go take some time in any privacy that I can in that moment to myself. Maybe I could even do some jumping jacks, whatever physical ability is available to you to just exert some energy to move a little bit. I can remove myself from the interaction and journal in the bathroom for a few moments about what happened. This one makes me giggle a little bit because I understand the practicality of this is usually not that you're being criticized at work and then you go and grab your journal and hide in the bathroom to write about it. However, zoom out a little bit with these suggestions and thinking that, well, what's the point of grabbing my journal to go to the bathroom? It's an outlet of release and it's a safe one. It's you taking time for you to honor yourself and that there is a self to be seen, heard, and regulated in the first place. 
And then you're allowing yourself to explore in your own inquiry or even just name and release some of those emotions, the energy in motion actually being released through your hands, through the words, through the names and articulation that you are giving that sensational experience on the paper in front of you. The third column is ways to co-regulate with others. Now, you may find as you're thinking of these examples and your own experience that the idea of going to co-regulate with another human feels much too unsafe. It is too far of a reach. That's perfectly okay. I know that was the personal experience for myself as well. I needed to create safety with my own self, in my own being, with myself, with little Jenna, before I had enough safety internally for me to even vulnerably approach asking another human being to allow me to connect or help me feel safe in that moment. So if you're resonating with that too, just honor that. That's really great awareness to have of yourself and just illuminates even more the importance of creating these moments of safety and connection in a self-regulating way before we extend ourselves outward to others. So if you are wanting to co-regulate with another or have safe people around you to do so, you could ask another colleague for support. You could ask another family member, another loved one for support in this experience of being criticized by another. You could ask your partner or a friend, a trusted loved one, to dance to some stimulating music, to jump up and down, to have a moment or burst of joy. And I'm giggling even as I say that because that in itself, too, could feel like such a far reach for you. There's not safety in your body, and now we're talking about a moment of joy. For some, that may resonate. You might find that actually doing that uncomfortable thing and blasting some music with a loved one and jumping Mm -hmm. around might get you out of that unsafety. It might create some feelings of joy and safety. There might be that connection there. So it's worth a try. You may also find the very real experience that turning on some loud, stimulating music and jumping around with a loved one in a moment or experience when you've just been criticized is absolutely the last thing that you want to be doing. And that in itself too is really great awareness. There's an opportunity there for you to create some safety with yourself first. Another suggestion is to text a friend or a loved one, another safe person, asking them if they can talk for a few minutes. So connecting with another person and right up front, maybe expressing that you're going through something or you're going through an experience and want to know if they are available to be a listening ear. It's really a beautiful opportunity to allow someone else to co-regulate and connect with you in that way and a really beautiful gift to Also, give them the opportunity and space to say no. If they are unable to hold that space to listen, we don't have to make that mean anything about us, though our minds will likely jump to that. No going into it if you are reaching out to another. You're also creating the space and the safety for them to say no if their resources aren't there or they are unavailable to you too. I'm really happy you brought up uh, the universal experience of resistance that many of us will likely hear. This is where healing, the healing journey is not logical, right? You're probably sitting here listening to this beautiful episode about all these ways to create safety, though in action, much like yourself, moments of connection, moments of even safety in my own body felt so unfamiliar to my subconscious mind that 
there was that resistance. It can happen in our bodies where we just feel so uncomfortable connecting with our body, creating safety in our body, opening up our body to be in connection with another body. Or we might meet that resistance in our mind's eye, those racing thoughts, upsetting thoughts, thoughts telling us all the reasons why we shouldn't be engaging with these new actions. So why logically all of these practices of creating safety or rewiring our nervous system or widening our window to create emotional resilience are all logically helpful for what we want to create in our future. In the moment, like I was sharing earlier, we're not going to immediately feel that peace and calm. We're not going to embrace it with open arms. Our mind isn't just going to all of the thoughts dissolve away and we're not going to come into pure presence. Chances are we're going to meet that resistance. We might not even feel that full shift into safety. It might be smaller shifts that we first feel. And chances are those upsetting thoughts, those racing thoughts will still be there. Our subconscious mind is not going to be immediately convinced that we are now safe because we've created some semblance of safety for ourselves in one moment. So that's where the work is really kind of, we can think about it in two layers, right? The action is making these choices like we share to by ourselves create safety, to with others co-regulate and create safety. That's the choice in our body. That's what we can do to help bring our body to safety. Then the other most impactful choice that we can gift ourselves with is how much our attention are we giving to our thoughts? When our thoughts start to race, when they become upsetting, when they try to convince us all of the reasons why we shouldn't be doing this. If we continue to pay attention to our thoughts, chances are we're going to be right back in those old habits, maybe right back in those old threat-based responses. So in those moments while we can't shut off or delete our thoughts entirely, we can begin to, as you beautifully describe it, turn the volume down. And the way we practically do that is by removing our attention. Now I'm laboring on this point because a lot of us do believe our thoughts are going to miraculously go away. I'm going to feel peaceful and calm and my mind is going to be you know, pleasant and free and open. And that's not going to be the reality. We're going to have to make the choice time and again to regulate our body physiologically. And then we're going to have to make the choice at the same time, time and time again, to refocus our attention away from our thoughts. And this can be a moment where some of you, if you've used any version of an affirmation, which really simply is a new thought, right? When we're refocusing our attention away from whatever stressful thought, upsetting thought it is, in that now new space, we might want to offer ourselves an affirmation as simple as I am safe. Right now, the more we practice those two layers, making choices to actually create that safety in our body, removing the focus from all the unsafe, upsetting thoughts and actually affirming the new thought of I am safe consistently enough over time, your mind and body will begin to believe that in the embodied experience of feeling safe and your mind actually turning down that volume just a bit more. You're quite literally <laughs> teaching your body a new physiological sensation connected to a thought. So there's an experience and a thought that happens. I can imagine if you actually do just witness your mind throughout the day and all of this endless stream of thoughts floating through, you're not sitting there choosing all of those thoughts. We can get to a place where you do just begin to witness them. When you can begin to witness them, you really have a bit of control over choosing new ones. And there's so much depth and opportunity in that choice and what you just shared, Nicole, because in that choosing of the new, you're not just choosing a new thought. You're not just saying an affirmation. It's so important to make that body connection when 
especially when talking about affirmations. I know they're not for everyone. Not everyone loves them. They feel really foreign, really challenging. We, we don't believe them. It's literally a new belief. And the importance is really connecting the new statement that you're making, the new belief that you are declaring, I am safe. And while you're saying that, what's happening in your body? There is a nervous system response, a nervous system state that is happening in direct response to that thought and vice versa. The state of your nervous system is also then playing a massive role in the thoughts that it is sending through your mind. So creating that separation or those two layers to really begin to see like a science project mind, body, for every thought that I have, there is a physiological response in my body. And it's almost a nice break in some ways to put pause on all of the talk of like the mind's eye and the endless thoughts and all of that chatter and just drop into our body for a change. We have an endless chatter and sort of hamster wheel that's going on up there. Put pause on that. It's always going to be there. Let's just focus on our body for a minute and allow our body to come back into some sort of balance and really a soothing break from its connection and constant response to the constant chatter that's happening in our mind. So, of course, as a reminder, we're emphasizing the body here right now because in the body is where our nervous system and that vagus nerve that we began this episode. And the more there are practices that we can intentionally begin to do, again, outside of these moments of huge activation or overwhelming emotions to activate our vagus nerve, again, helping our body switch between that threat-based or that upset state back into peace and calm. And again, the value of doing them outside of the moments is to give our mind and body that practice, lay down some new neural networks, literally in our neurophysiology, so that then in those moments, we not only remember this beautiful new tool that we have, we're more likely to be able to actually create change, access that safety as again, our window of tolerance begins to widen. So to emphasize that again, we want to start small with small stressors and we want to stay committed or build consistent moments of practice of just simply activating our vagus nerve outside of those moments so that when those moments happen, we're more likely to successfully use them. If you're following along in the workbook, while there are many different ways to activate our vagus nerve, we highlight several of them. I'm reading from page 165. Um, if you follow any of our social media accounts, you hear us often talking about cold therapy. Of course, there's many different ways we can do cold therapy. One of the ways is we can get a large bowl with water and ice. Some of us might want to turn our shower to colder when we're in shower. If we live in a cold climate or have seasons of the year where it's cold, it might even just be stepping outside. So any of those suggestions, again, filling a large bowl with water and ice, that would mean putting our hands, submerging our hands in the water, the ice water, maybe starting for five, 10 seconds. And again, while we're beginning to feel right that activation, we might feel immediate tension when our hands hit that cold. Um, we might feel our heart rate begin to escalate. We might feel our or hear our mind telling us to get the heck out of there. It's too cold for you, right? In those moments, we're creating that safety. 
Maybe we're breathing so slowly and deeply from our belly to give us that physiological shift, lowering that point of action back into that range of safety. And of course, affirming then in our mind that we are safe, removing the focus from all of the upsetting thoughts telling us otherwise. Now, of course, if you take the shower option or the stand outside option, practice is still the same, turning the shower for the last five, 10 seconds, standing outside for five, 10 seconds, again, calming our bodies, shifting focus, affirming in our minds that we are safe. Another example is by gently stretching the body. If you have a favorite gentle yoga practice, I always shout out yoga with Adrienne. I found her short videos for me so helpful, you know, somewhere around 10, 15 minutes even of ways to begin. They're very beginner, um, gentle ways to stretch your body. Again, this could look like even just laying down on the floor, um, bending forward, stretching your hamstrings, maybe standing up. Bending forward again, stretching your hamstrings, stretching your arms overhead, whatever capability you have in terms of moving your physical body, those moments of stretching when we're releasing for a lot of us the tension in our muscles are moments where our body might begin to get activated. We might feel tension when we're stretching. We might feel nervous as we begin to feel our muscles pulling again, the same practice being breathing calmly, breathing deeply affirming that sense of safety in our mind and practicing consistently over time. Another example, this might be surprising to some of you, um, it is what we call partner sharing. Now, this lives in the physiological body by way of our emotions, because we all understand now, I hope that they live in our body. And what partner sharing is really just a practice of asking a loved one, someone you feel safest and more comfortable with, and ask them, again, when they have the time and presence to be available to share with you when they're in a space to listen, begin to practice just sharing small things about yourself, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, you know, a dream you might have, again, within reasonable senses. We don't have to share our deepest, darkest secret, especially if we're not used to sharing these intimate moments with someone else. This is just the practice now of being emotionally vulnerable, because in those moments, I'll speak from my own lived experience, Someone who's not used to being emotionally or not familiar with being emotionally close with others, I feel my heart rate begin to raise even as I'm thinking about sharing something that might be slightly vulnerable with someone else. So again, practice is still the same. My body is involved. We can slow our activation, do some deep belly breathing, and affirm to ourselves in that moment that sharing our emotional world with someone else, especially a trusted loved one, can be something that becomes safe. Other quick and easy ways that we can activate our vagus nerve is, again, just generally breathing more deeply, more slowly from our belly. This can be a commitment we make to ourselves every day. For me, deep belly breathing, making sure that I'm paying attention to my breathing and breathing calmly and deeply is always a daily commitment. Another simple, easy breathing practice is when we're exhaling make sure that we're exhaling longer than we're inhaling. These are just ways we can integrate activating our vagus nerve into our daily action of breathing. We're all breathing each and every day. So elongating those exhales whenever we think about it will helpfully activate our vagus nerve. As well, these last two might be a bit surprising, gargling when we're brushing our teeth in the morning, gargling with a bit of water that manually activates the vagus nerve, which the tip of it is literally in the back of our throat, as does singing loud, laughing. Anytime we're stimulating, you know, our, our kind of facial organ, our facial muscles, I guess is a great way to say it, right? Smiling, laughing, gargling, singing, put that music on that you love and sing it out loud. All of that, again, manually activates our vagus nerve. And those four suggestions are things that we can practice 
each and every day. We don't need a partner. We don't need a mat to stretch on. We don't need to do anything else but use what we're already doing each and every day. This conversation officially wraps section three of our workbook, How to Meet Yourself. If you've been tuning into all of the past episodes of this section, you now have tools and practices to understand and shift your core beliefs, reparent your inner child, end cycles of emotional addiction, and begin the journey of rewiring your nervous system to finally create and become that safety that so many of us have been lacking and needing. We thank you for tuning in with us. We will be diving back into the workbook um, in the next few weeks or months, diving into section four, meet your authentic self, who you really are. Until then, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your comments on our YouTube channel, all of your likes, shares, and feedback. We will always be doing Self Healer Soundboard ad-free for your viewer and listening experience. So it, we really do appreciate when you comment, when you share, when you tag any sort of engagement with these conversations really helps spread the conversations, expand the conversations to new and more people all around the world. So we can really have such a diverse and macro conversation about this universal common thread within our healing. Thank you for tuning in with us. We love you and we'll see you next time.